About a month ago, I came before the congregation and asked, what's your story? And you guys appreciate that. You responded very boldly and responded. Your story was to equip us to go out. The funds were raised, and we were able to head out to New York City and share the, the gospel. And there were 23 of us that went, and we're going to go through today and share with you some of the stories that we encountered along the way. And uh, I want to share that with you. But before I do, let me share with you a little bit of information about Spread Truth, the organization with which we went. You know, one of the things that we have wanted to do as a church is make sure that as we're going on mission trips, that we're really partnering with a local community to do that work. It is not our goal just to go somewhere, do a quick little work, and go away. That makes us feel good, but generally doesn't help the folks that are there. So one of the reasons we like working with Spread Truth is they've been working in this mission field for about 20 years, even though they're headquartered in Illinois. They do this work in New York City and partner with a number of churches in New York City, including the Brooklyn Tabernacle, to do a lot of work there. And uh, when we go out and we visit with folks, we're able to share with them local churches, local resources. So we're there to help them reach the community in a very large way so they can reach individuals specifically in the weeks, months, and years to come. And so we're delighted to partner with them as we have last year and this year again. Now, Spread Truth, what is their goal? Their goal is to, as a nonprofit organization, they're passionate about making the gospel available to everyone, everywhere, all around the world. And they actively go and do that, specifically using a lot of internet resources uh, to be able to get folks to hear the gospel in their own language, uh, whether that's uh, online or booklets that they publish, Bibles that they pull together, really walking us through creation, the fall, rescue, and redemption, that whole story of God working in and through us and working through His people. So if you're looking, interested in finding out some of their resources that can help you share the gospel with folks, they're up there. We can talk to you a little bit about them later, but spreadtruth.com. And uh, you can view the story as they can share the gospel there and other resources to help you start conversations. We'll talk about some of those as we go through the morning. Uh, What they do up in New York is to run a week of ministry, very focused, intentional, intense ministry, along four different tracks. And those tracks are a soccer camp, where we supported two of the soccer camps that they have there. In addition, they have a basketball camp, which we did not support those this year, Um, directly with our team teammates, but they go to, I don't know, about a half a dozen public schools and parks throughout New York City and run basketball camps there. They also run a, a large vacation Bible school at the Brooklyn Tabernacle called Summer Fun Week, and we had a handful of folks there. And in addition, there's the streets and parks, which is the scary one where you're out on the street exposing yourself, uh, not that way, um, sorry, <laughs> exposing your heart. <laughs> and, uh, can we erase that one if it gets recorded? Exposing your heart to folks wearing a red apron, you're really out there uh, showing the world that you're different, you're unique, you've got something to share with them. And so it's, it can put yourself, uh, you know, the, 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 that image there is true. It's an embarrassing situation depending upon how people deal with you. And that will be some of the stories that you hear today. The difference here uh, between the yellow and white, just so you understand, those are folks who went last year, yellow, and came back. And that's what we want to do is make sure we have some continuity with the people that we're meeting. And so we were able to have continuity in all four of those locations and, and, and meet with some of the folks there as well as bring along some new folks to join us. And uh, there's some pictures of the team. Folks you've seen around the church or on the, the bulletin board in the back there. And uh, some of these guys are going to come up and share with you. You know, New York City is a big, 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 big place and a lot of places to work. And, and we worked in a number of places. Up uh, here was our one soccer camp uh, down here where the Brooklyn Tabernacle and VBS was and where our hotel was, over here in Forest Park uh, where there's another field. And then all in between, in about 100 square miles, is where our team spread out. 
So we didn't, we didn't preach the, the gospel on every street corner, but it felt some days like we were at all those street corners uh, going out. And it was a very, very hot day. Um, and folks standing out in the sun for a long time. Matter of fact, in the slideshow later, you'll wonder why I've got a picture of Ethan's back. I think that was Ethan's first day out. He'd, he'd worn his badge. Sorry to embarrass you, Ethan, but Ethan wore his, his badge. And he was just out there focused on sharing the gospel and praying with folks. When he came back, he was just perfectly white on the back, and he was bronzed on the rest of it. So... Um, you know, we had, to, we had to be careful out there because it was hot, but great place to go out there, great place to go get lost, go figure out which subway do I get on, do I go up, down, left, right. Um, we got it right most of the time. We were able to get around that 100 square miles and, and find our way back here. One of the places that we went to last year was in Spanish Harlem, and uh, Robert, Noah, and Sean Eby, and, and Michael and myself were able to go back there this year and uh, share the gospel. One interesting side note, um, one night we went down to... Uh, Wall Street, and we were there by the bull, the iconic picture we've seen of the bull that's down there at Wall Street. We were there and uh, met a couple of police officers, and we decided to chat with them, and it turns out one of them, uh, they were from the counter-terrorist unit, and uh, they said, yeah, we go anywhere where there's likely a terrorist attack, and we're thinking, we're standing here talking with you by the bull where there's likely a terrorist attack. Well, we told him where we were, and he said, what are you doing there? I wouldn't go there. <laughs> Right, counter-terrorist police officer, and he's, what are you doing up there in Thomas Jefferson Park? And so we're out there sharing the gospel. And one of the exciting things about that is we talked about continuity. Um, oh, too far, a little aggressive. You know, with, uh, with, with us out there, we had the opportunity to share with about 100 folks, not quite, but close to 100 folks, kids who were out there, middle school and younger broken off into one group, middle, uh, middle school and higher, depending on how big you were with another group. And we were able to work with them throughout the week. And a lot of that included getting to reestablish relationships with folks we had before. It was exciting to be able to go up to, um, to here. And, and I've been praying for Tahir all year since last year when we met him. And to greet him by name, say, how you doing? And, and his brother Muhammad, and ask how they were doing. And, and renew that relationship. But some of these guys have grown up. They've been going to these camps for 10 plus years or so. And... Some of them busboys, they've taken a day off of work just to come and see the folks who come and serve and renew those relationships. And again, we're able to go share the gospel. But some folks are standoffish. They don't, want to, they don't want to hear the gospel. They don't want to know what you've got to say. They just want to play soccer. And so we use some of the resources uh, that, that uh, Spread Truth gives us, such as questions in a box, just a list of questions that uh, you can pull out of your smartphone and start asking, hey, what's your favorite movie? If you were a superhero, who would it be? Uh, is there anything you want to learn? Do you know everything about the world? What are you going to do when you die? Um, and work your way through a depth of conversations, but it gives you, equips you to be able to, how to start a conversation. To share with the early service, I, I really don't like talking to people. I'm up here because it's my job today, but I don't like talking to people, and, and, and I have an engineering background, and, and you know, you know, the difference between an introvert and an extroverted engineer the extroverted engineer looks at other people's shoes when he's talking to them. That's Scott Hoffman's joke, but he's right. <laughs> Right? Extroverted engineer looks at other people's shoes when he's talking to them, and that's the way I... But we have the opportunity to go out, use questions like these, build relationships, and at the end of the week, as we're going through the week, instead of standing off and saying, I don't want to be part of that, they're engaged. Why? Because we've taken an interest in their life. We've asked them, what's your story? What's important to you? And as we do that and we care about folks, they start asking, well, what's important to you? Because they see we care about them and love them first before we just want to tell them something. So we're going to go through and uh, over the next uh, 30 minutes or so talk about 
different activities that occurred while we were there and how God worked in our lives and the lives of the folks that we met. We had the one soccer camp at Thomas Jefferson. Come on up, Joe. The one, one soccer camp at Thomas Jefferson Park in Manhattan. The other one was in Queens, which was all the way at the other end of our spectrum. And Joe's going to share with us a little story about that. Thank you, Joe. Good morning. All right. I was at the Queens soccer camp. My name is Joe Perrin. And I messed up on this in the previous presentation, but that is a picture of our entire team that was at the park. Um, there's Andrew being cool. And our wake-up time in that four-quadrant one was when we would stop doing soccer things and talk with the kids about life struggles and then share the gospel. So we kind of incorporate what was important to them and then incorporate the gospel into that and kind of make an interesting weave. But to start off, um, I'm going to share a story about a kid that I met last year and who came back this year. Um, his name was Malachi, and he came from a very broken family in that I never heard of him talk of two parents, only one. His sister was gone all the time, he said, and his grandfather brought him to the camp every day. Um, he came from this broken background, but when he came, he had the biggest smile I've ever seen on a child's face. And so he'd come and run, excuse me, run across the field, um, blazing hot, astroturf, and he'd come running across that field, and to see that joy and that dedication after being a, away from a year, um, for a year from New York City, was very inspiring. But also doubly inspiring was the fact that he came to Christ over the past year. And to see that reaping of the harvest from my experience last year was um, uber encouraging. So two points about that story and about my time in New York City was how it changed the kids' lives, how my time there changed kids' lives, and how it changed my life. Um, first, how it changed kids' life. Malachi's conversion over the last year really encouraged the kids that were there because I could say to them, who I didn't necessarily know what, where they stood, I could say to them, look at him, or not necessarily look at him, but look what Christ can do through your life. And this is a living example in here in New York City of what, it, of what you can do. Um, but it makes me see the harvest in a magnificent way, but also the potential there and here. Um, it, sees, it makes me see the potential that I have every day of my life, um, the other 51 weeks that we're not in New York City, to use the same example, the same rubric to uh, share the gospel here and around the world. So how did it change me? Uh, it changed my outlook on ministry and my desire to be in ministry. It really changed uh, what I want to do with my life, not necessarily where I want to be, but how I want to orient myself in those circumstances. So... Being in New York changed the way I thought about ministry again, same as last year, um, and it gave me a new passion to really connect with the kids that I serve on a daily and weekly basis here. Um, but it also gave me a revised view of my ministry and my focus for in the future, my ministry in the future being where I want to and how I want to be involved in God's plan and God's story in my future, um, where that, wherever that may be. So uh, being in New York and meeting Malachi again and countless other kids that really had the same joy and passion um, was very encouraging in how it changed me and how it changed the kids. And that's my story. Thanks, Joe. So there, were, there was a group of folks who actually got to stay inside, um, and I'm jealous of them a little bit, but it was our, our VBS team. And again, they were at the uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle. And... Uh, had the opportunity to work with uh, several hundred kids who were there. 
and of all the age groups and, and share the gospel with them through story, through song, and just through being with them. So I'd like to invite uh, Ellie and Sophie to come on up and share your stories. Ellie? So uh, this past July, I had the opportunity to help with the Summer Fun Week VBS in Brooklyn. And I worked with about 14 7 to 9-year-olds where my job was, along with about 15 other people, to lead the kids to their various activities, which were you know, praise and worship, crafts, snacks, discussion time, and just to make sure that they were following the rules, staying in line, not hitting each other, because believe me, that was an actual issue. And uh, we were asking them the questions and facilitating discussion, but we also just got to play with the kids. We were running around playing tag, braiding hair, doing hand games and stuff. And we just had a blast. Everyone was having a great time. And I really enjoyed seeing all of the kids' individual personalities and just getting to know them. Uh, also seeing some of these kids that I had grown to know, listening to the gospel for the very first time. It was, or even just some of the kids praising the Lord of their own volition. It was just priceless. And I think up here there are some pictures of us just hanging out. There were a lot of kids, and it was really loud in there. But um, this, in that short one-week period, I learned so much about patience and communication and also how much I really love kids and children's ministry. And uh, discovering that also inspired me to look for ways to advance the kingdom of God in everyday circumstances. We were also encouraged to do that through um, the morning Bible studies that Spread Truth had. And they also encouraged us to just step out of our comfort zones, which I actually had the opportunity to do so one of the days. So we had taken our break for lunch, and a group of us were going to this really small pizza shop around the corner. And I had my food. Everyone else was standing in line. And I saw this guy just sitting in a booth by himself eating his food. And then I decided I was going to go and just ask to sit with him. So I did. And we started talking about the scorching hot weather, what it was like to live in, in New York City. And then I decided to ask if I could pray for him. And he said yes. So um, he told me that he had an autistic son named Eli who was currently living with his mom in Florida. And the man, Henry, was really uncomfortable with the situation. He knew that Eli wasn't receiving the adequate care that he needed. And he wanted Eli to come live with him. But Eli's mother wasn't having any of that. So we were able to pray for him and encourage him in that. And I was just really excited that we were able to share with him about, you know, God's love and everything. So um, it was uh, one of my best memories uh, was probably on the last day, some of the kids would come up to us and say, can you come back? Are you coming back next year? I'm going to be here. I want to see you again. And that was just so amazing, seeing the joy in their eyes when they spoke of returning. And I just loved being a part of something that brought that joy to them and showed them God's love. So um, I would also like to thank everyone here for your support. I can honestly say that all the hours of driving and preparation and raising those funds was so, so worth it. So thank you for the opportunity, and I can't wait to see what God has for us in the future. I have on heels, too. <laughs> Good morning. Um, the mission trip for me was a time of personal growth more than sharing the gospel with others. The last day of the trip, Spread Truth had a time of worship for us, and um, then they wanted us to get into groups and share what the highlight of our week was. So I was in a group with Timon, and he shared, and he was really excited, and then I looked at him and I said, I don't have one. 
which was really depressing for me. When applying for the trip in January, I felt God calling me to go. But in May, I began to question this call. I prayed and sought counsel from godly people, and it seemed that God was still calling me to go on the trip, but I still had some doubts. I think that God, out of his grace, was giving me this opportunity to reevaluate his call for me while I was in New York City. I had jumped into this without praying about which ministry track to do. I didn't even think about praying for that. VBS made sense because I love kids and they love me. But really, I chose it by process of elimination. First, there's the sports camps. I'm not sportsy to make up a word at all. Uh, then there was streets and parks, which in the early service, Mr. Lupa said was the craziest one of all. Um, and that scared me a bit. So I chose VBS. However, I wasn't satisfied. I don't mean that it wasn't fun, but that I hadn't trusted God enough to step out of my comfort zone and do what was truly my passion. By God's grace, though, the story doesn't end there. He uses us, even in our disobedience, to draw us closer to him and be his vessels for the gospel. Thursday, I wore my hair down to VBS, and as you can see, I got this lovely makeover. Um, when, at the first day of the week, the kids were really kind of nervous. They didn't want to come too close to us. But by this final day, they were just like all around me. They started fighting over my hair a little bit. That scared me a little bit. But, and I don't like people playing with my hair anyway. So that was a sacrifice. <laughs> um, but it was really neat to see how God had worked through me and in the relationship with these kids, that they trusted me and knew that I loved them and that they felt comfortable doing this. So back to the last day, after a few minutes, I realized that I did have a highlight. It wasn't how God had worked through me to share the gospel with the kids in VBS as I had hoped, but it was in seeing the gospel shared around the city. Um, I got to see Ethan share the gospel. We went to get lunch one day, and on the way, we stopped to talk to the streets and parks people, and uh, we were all kind of in a group, like talking with our friends, and he just walked away to um, talk with this woman and pray with her. And as I watched this, I just really can't even explain the moment and the feelings that I had um, as I saw God's love being shared with this woman, but it gave me just joy and awe. And it was only time that I actually saw the gospel personally shared on the trip, and so it had a really profound impact on me. I realized that streets and parks would have been a better fit for me, and if I had prayed about this, I could have seen that that was my passion and God's call for me in the first place. Another example of a moment that gave me just such joy was in the pizza shop, praying with Henry, as Ellie mentioned. This experience has stuck with me as a reminder to live out my life intentionally sharing the gospel, whether I am on duty helping with my track in New York City, or on a lunch break, or maybe on a mission trip at all, or just at home in my daily life. Um, as Esther 4.14 says, uh, as for such a time as this, and so I may be at a place for such a time as that. Um, I've also seen how God has changed my prayers as I've learned to pray more for God's will and trust him uh, when he's pushing me out of my comfort zone. So God is writing a beautiful story. Even in my disobedience, his grace shines. He still gave me opportunities to watch his gospel being shared and even to participate in that through VBS and through praying with Henry. I pray that even through such a simple act as letting these kids play with my hair, that they will um, remember that they are loved by me and more importantly by God. And I thank God that his grace is greater, his story is better, and his love is deeper. Amen. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you for sharing that. The, uh, the, the teams did occasionally get to see each other out on the streets. And the, uh, as we talked about, there are opportunities to prayer booths that Dave and, and, uh, is going to talk about and, and Steve Eastberg are going to talk about in a moment. 
uh, Spread Truth goes throughout the city to a number of sites, kind of move from, from day to day to different locations. Uh, some of that is with prayer booths that are set up. Some of that is with a wall uh, where they encourage folks to write their stories down and post them to a wall. And then while they're doing that, we have an opportunity to ask, how can we pray for you? So I'm going to ask Dave if you would come up and share some stories from what happened out there on streets and parks. Well, to set the setting, it was a hot, it was a hot July day, which most of them were pretty hot that week. And um, where we were uh, that day for to set up a prayer booth was a place called The Hub. I don't know if you've ever been to New York City, but um, this is in the Bronx, kind of north of Manhattan in Harlem. And um, you can see a lot of people there. There's six roads that all come together. So that's, I guess, why they call it The Hub. So a lot of people, a lot of traffic, a lot of people walking. A lot of people walk in New York City. It's amazing. But um, you can see that. And we're at a prayer booth. Can you see the prayer booth there? It's that where the red arrow is pointing. It's that little patch of red over there, kind of swarming uh, or under the, the swarm of humanity there. But if you go to the next slide, uh, we've got a close-up of the prayer booth. So you can see it's just a PVC pipe that we could carry and then put together, put a little banner on it. Had some resources there for people, flyers and Bibles and different things like that. But we got to wear the lovely red smocks that you can uh, see on there, as they call them. Um, and uh, what they trained us to do was just say, uh, to start a conversation, how can I pray for you? Uh, pretty simple question, how can I pray for you? And uh, what that would do, just as happened in Ellie's story, is uh, somebody's got to share something about what's going on in their life, kind of a personal thing in their life. So a great way... Um, to very uh, lovingly engage in conversation and start off there and then pray that the Spirit will take that wherever it will go in that conversation that you might even have a chance to talk about the gospel and share that. So um, that was the setting. One more part of the setting is um, this, uh, the picture of the lady on the right, little Linda. And uh, she's about five foot nothing and full of energy, love to talk, 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 talk. And um, we got as soon as we got on the subway, she's talking to someone. Dave, come over here. Tell show him this and that. So uh, uh, just a wonderful lady, loved to share the gospel. Um, and let's see. So the other thing about the setting on the other side of the prayer booth, there, um, a man, his name is Richard. Um, he had set up a uh, water cooler, and it was full of water bottles. Hot day. He was selling water bottles for a dollar. So he was supplementing his income that way. Um, now, Linda started talking to Richard, and uh, lo and behold, Richard uh, becomes a believer that day, kind of joins our little family right there. That was neat. But then the real story started. It was, it was, it was kind of mid-afternoon. Things were getting really hot out there, and um, all of a sudden, I hear somebody, uh, some yelling going on right next to us. So our prayer booth is here. Richard's there. And I turn and look, and there's this tall man that is yelling at Richard and saying something to the effect of, what are you selling water in our neighborhood for? Why is a white man here selling water in our neighborhood? What gives you the right to do that? And um, when conflict is brewing like that in New York City, my natural reaction is duck and cover. <laughs> Run away. Um, but the next thing I know, there's little Linda woo, going over there, and she's going to protect Richard. And... Um, or I don't know what she was going to do. So she, I'm sure she wanted to talk to the man. Well, it turns out the man's name was Frank. And, and as Linda's going over there, I can't run away. I have to go. And, um, and 
once I get there, how do you how do you engage in that? How do you engage in conversation with that man? Well, I fell back on the training and how can I how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? And um, he stopped for a minute, looked at me, what? <laughs> and um, I'm giving this guy the riot act, and you're asking how I can. Anyway, it really kind of diffused the situation a little bit. His attention at least fo- turned and focused on us, and he started talking to us and sharing his life with us. Um, and in the background, Richard snuck away, and uh, he was gone by the time we ended. But um, if he could have stuck around, he would have seen something beautiful, trans, uh, trans, a beautiful transformation kind of happen in this conversation where um, as Frank shared his life with us, he shared his struggles, um, that he had been in prison, that he was having trouble finding a job, a lot of the racial tensions he was feeling directly in his life, in, uh, discriminations in, um, in his life. And um, we were listening, and the Holy Spirit moved, and we were asking questions to help us understand his situation. Um, And at one point in the conversation, little Linda says, would you pray for us and help us understand what's going on here um, in this country and in your life in particular? And he said, he stopped again for a minute, but he didn't wait long, and he said, bring it on in, bring it on in. And so next thing I know, my head, he's about a foot taller than me, my head's pulled up against his shoulder and he's got, got me in in the headlock and we are praying and he's praying for us. And uh, then I got a chance to pray for him. And um, we just got a chance to talk about the gospel and how it can change our lives and how it can bring about reconciliation um, in our individual lives and in our community. And so um, I think we all learned something that day. We went away from that conversation um, or that experience uh, with hope, uh, hope for the future uh, individually, but also for our country um, with all the racial tensions that are, that are brewing and seem to be increasing. Um, and personally for me, um, um, I had many other experiences sort of like that. Steve's going to talk about one next, but um, many other chances to, to talk about the gospel with people. Um, and it really has emboldened me now to, to come back and in our neighborhoods and, and in our um, workplace uh, as I go out in, in the, just hanging out in the community to share the gospel, to, to at least enter into conversation with people and, and learn something about what's going on in their lives and see where God takes that conversation. So I, I too, thank you for sending us, and um, it was just a wonderful trip. Thanks. To share another conversation, and one of those uh, folks we've met on the street, Steve Eastberg, is going to share with us what they uh, dealt with together with Mikhail. Okay, maybe I'll share with you too. We're okay for time? Are we okay for time? I'll share. Okay. Uh, good morning. Thanks uh, again to the members of Cornerstone for sending this team out this past, uh, past summer. It was uh, really a, a great experience for, for Kathy and Andrew and I to get a chance to, to go up and uh, minister to the folks in New York City. We had done this in Baltimore before in a very different uh, type of setting, um, but this was a really great uh, relational opportunity, unlike uh, some of the past mission trips where we're, we're there and, and building things and doing uh, mercy ministries. This was just uh, really fantastic. Um, I had grown up not too far from New York City, so I'd been there before, but um, as you can see there, I, we, we wear these smocks. I, I have to tell you, I'd never stood on a busy street corner in the Bronx wearing smock before. Um, so that was a new experience. That was one of those stretching experiences that Sophie, uh, Sophie talked about. But it was, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, as re- was related, the parks 
and streets part of the program um, took you around the city quite a bit. We, uh, we visited not only places like this in, in Brooklyn, but also uh, in the Bronx and uh, in some of the, the points in uh, mid Midtown Manhattan, some very nice parks where uh, very high-end uh, businessmen and women <coughs> and professionals were. And so, but I, th I think a common denominator there in the city was that no matter where you were, high-end, uh, economically, low-end, economically, or anywhere in between, there was a great, great need for Christ. And it was such a, a privilege and a, a blessing to be able to, uh, to share in that. One example was uh, in, in the Manhattan, mid-Manhattan area, we uh, had a chance to talk to a young lady named Kim who was sitting there in the park. She sat down. You could tell that she's a little bit dejected. And, and uh, Kathy and I walked over to her, and it uh, turns out she had just lost her job. Uh, she, was walk she had showed up for work that morning, had her boss uh, hand her a pink slip, and she didn't know what to do. She, so she, she came down to the park, and we had a chance. Uh, we were, we were, uh, the way that we would approach folks is we were conducting surveys, and we'd ask them questions about uh, what they knew about uh, the world and the future and what their future looked like and some other things. And we, so we started asking her some of these questions, and she, she just wanted to talk about her situation that she was in. So we had a chance uh, to share the gospel with her. It turns out she was a believer, but she'd been living in the city where, with a lot of other uh, of her peers in the, in the 20, 30s range and, and really gotten uh, uh, diverted into a, a lifestyle that really wasn't part of her Christian upbringing. And so we had a chance to encourage her in the Lord, um, give her some information on a church that was really close to where she lived and had a chance to pray with her. And, and I, I think it was just a, it was a fantastic opportunity that we had that the Lord really just placed in our hands. Another experience that I want to share was one that Dave and I shared together. And that was um, here with this, uh, this man named Mikhail. He was uh, a Russian immigrant, immigrant from uh, probably in his mid-40s or so. And uh, he proceeded to walk up to the, the prayer station. And most of these folks who come up to these prayer stations don't really know what to think. You know, they see the red smocks and they immediately start thinking about the Salvation Army. Um, but they don't hear the bell and they know it's July and it's not December. So they, you know, they keep asking questions and um, he kind of cocked his head a little bit and looked at us and he walked in. And he just started engaging us in conversation. Um, turns out Mikhail uh, lived in the city and uh, he had had quite a, a difficult time of it. Um, he uh, was a self-professed career criminal. He had sticky fingers, as he called them. Um, he had also been through some very, very difficult life circumstances. His, um, his wife had passed away, he, he said. Um, his, uh, his daughter and also his family had disowned him because of the, uh, the lifestyle that he had fallen under. Um, he was uh, kind of interesting. He, he, as he talked about his, his larceny, um, he, he claimed he was quite good at it, and uh, you know, we had no reason to doubt that, especially when he pointed out his uh, $300 Jordan shoes. And then he uh, said, well, if you come by my, my apartment, I didn't know if it was quite an invitation or not, but he said, if you come by my apartment, I'll show you my $350 jeans. Uh, not just one pair, but 40 pairs. So he was, um, he was quite the, uh, the thief, and uh, but he had suffered a lot because of it. Um, he had just emerged from prison after three and a half years and uh, was out on the streets again. And uh, he was, the one thing that had uh, worked out well for him was that uh, one, the one thing he had in prison was a Bible. And he made good use of it because he had read quite a bit from the, both the uh, New Testament and Old Testament. He was very well versed in the, a lot of the facts and figures of the Bible. And so we had a chance to talk to him about that. But it was very clear uh, if, upon talking to him that, that he was uh, not really aware of the real message of salvation that was revealed on, on the pages of Scripture. So... Uh, it was a great chance for Dave and I to make that connection between the head and the heart. And as he, uh, he was very attentive to it. And he, he um, 
after we had this conversation for a while, uh, Dave asked him if he would be willing and was interested in uh, pray, praying uh, prayer of salvation, which he, uh, he did. And he, we bowed our heads right there on the corner of uh, Lawrence and Willoughby in downtown Brooklyn and uh, prayed, prayed with him, and he accepted Christ into his heart. It was just uh, such a great encouragement to, to me to see how lives are transformed. Uh, and we saw this throughout the city, throughout the entire week. Uh, all told, over about 300 folks um, in the city that week gave their, their lives to Christ because of the uh, impact of spread truth in the city. Um, I have to tell you, though, it was kind of hard to see him wandering back into the throngs of Brooklyn midday, uh, not knowing whether he was going to go off and uh, look in the next store window and try to figure out what his next target was or whether he was really, truly contemplating the, the life change that had just occurred in him. Uh, but we continue to pray for Mikhail. We uh, continue to pray for many others who we encountered during our week in the city. And I really encourage you to continue to pray for them as well. Thank you for your prayer support during the week. I have to tell you that we have a, a wonderful set of young people in our church who really love the Lord. Uh, I was so proud and excited and inspired by so many of them throughout the week and, and uh, the way that they, uh, they just so freely shared of themselves and of, of Christ. Um, for those of you who are parents, I have to tell you that uh, one of our good friends who is very active in ministry in the church, um, after they had raised their children, once said to us, if we had to do something differently in raising our children, we would take them on many, many more missions trips. And so I can't tell you the impact that it has on, on young people, on you as parents, and really what could do to transform the lives of so many people. So consider that in the future. As Sophie said, uh, being pushed beyond our comfort zone. I certainly was in many times during the week, um, but I know that it was for, um, for the Lord and for his uh, ultimate purposes, and I'm so thankful for that opportunity. So thank you. Thank you, Steve. But one of the common themes that we see in, in all of these stories is the need to step out beyond our own comfort zone, to be bold, to be courageous, to, as it's stated in Acts, act like a man. And we say that's not act like a man versus act like a woman, but act like a man versus act like a child. And God calls us, even our, our, our youth, to act like men and women of God to share the gospel. Go to Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. Uh, we're, we're in a situation where uh, the, um, Peter and John have been, uh, they, were, they healed the, the lame man at the Gate Beautiful, and that uh, they had been arrested. They've been pulled aside by the council who said, hey, do not share the gospel. Don't talk in Jesus' name. Can't do that. And eventually they were released. And this is what we hear about what happens after they were released. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And that's what happened this week. And this last story I'm going to share with you is when I didn't want to share the Word of God with boldness. As I share the story, remember you're voting for me as a, a potential continuing ruling elder next Sunday. So 
This is your chance to get to know me a little bit um, and how, how deceitful my heart is. It's been a, a good, heavy, long week of running up and down on the subway, of coaching on the soccer field, which on the AstroTurf is always a little bit hotter than the outside. And on, on Monday and Friday, it was 93 to 95 in the middle of the day. We were over 100 on the, on the AstroTurf. So it was pretty hot, tired. We would had our, our evening finishing meeting with uh, worship and hearing the word and, and, and sharing some stories. We were going out to get a bite to eat just next to the hotel before we went. And I, I selflessly went to the, to the restaurant faster than anybody else and got to the front of the line just to make sure that I could quality control the food before the rest of the team got there. I didn't follow the adage of take care of your troops first that night. And when I got there, and then good, good evening, I went outside, and there was some tables set up in a courtyard uh, on the outside there with a half a dozen restaurants or so close by. I sat down at a table and said, okay, the rest of the team will be going to be able to join in and fill in some of these spots. And there was a man next to me, two men actually, a younger man and an older man. And the older man was eyeing all the young ladies that went by and making catcalls and calling out to them and saying things that uh, quite inappropriate. And they were doing a good job of ignoring him, and I wasn't ready to go lecture him or love him either. Uh, what I saw was a wall building up, and I, wanted to, I really was hating him. Um, why is this guy here? He's going to ruin this evening. We're just going to sit down. This guy is going to be, is he going to be hitting on the young ladies from our team? Uh, do I need to go find some other place? But uh, lo and behold, the team got out faster. They sat down next to me, and, and there we are. That's one part of this, the, the stage. So we're there. Uh, another one of our teammates bought a lot of food, more food than that, that, that teammate could eat. As a matter of fact, so much food that my son Michael couldn't eat the leftovers. Right. And, and that's rare. When if, usually there's no food left, and he's able to polish it off whenever we go out. And he wasn't able to eat that. And so there was a hamburger left over. And I was looking at this guy still you know, being somewhat obnoxious. And our hamburger was handed over. I said, here, have a hamburger. And Ethan handed that hamburger over to him. and said, here, why don't you have this? And the guy said, well, do you have ketchup with that? I was like, what kind of jerk are you? The guy gave you a hamburger, and you were asking, go get your own ketchup. So still, my heart was not there. But uh, lyrics from an old song came up. Um, actually, where did this go? I lost it. I apologize for that. I'm stuck. So maybe I didn't have it there. Lyrics from an old song came up. I don't know how many of you are familiar with 1980. Christian rock. Probably not a lot of you in this room are familiar with some of those lyrics, but I love some of the songs even today because they stick in your head. Little phrases stick in your head. There's a song from Petra called Stand Up, and it says, out of our pews and into the streets, making some use of our beautiful feet, redeeming the time for the days are evil. This whole world's in such upheaval. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but when the enemy comes in like a flood, stand up. Take a stand for Jesus. And there's a verse in Ephesians, that that comes from. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will, give, uh, Christ will shine on you. I, I remember that as Christ will give you light, the ability to share the gospel with others. It says, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord in this situation? How do I redeem the time for the days of evil with this jerk who's sitting here making cat calls and demanding ketchup for the hamburger we just gave him for free? My heart's still not right. God brings some more. Think of the, the, um, 
the full armor of God that we read about in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. God gives us that armor for a reason. We think about the end of those verses, 18 to 20, not the part that we normally memorize. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Was God calling me to speak boldly? Again, in 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that, you be done, all that you do be done in love. Act like men. Be strong. That word is a Greek word. Andrazomai, which says, be a man. Be strong and courageous. We've heard that word before, right? Moses speaking to Israel at the end of Deuteronomy when he's dying and not going into the promised land. Be strong and courageous. Moses telling Joshua, you're going to lead. Be strong and courageous. God telling Joshua, be strong and courageous. Joshua telling the leaders of Israel with him, be strong and courageous. David telling his son Solomon, be strong and courageous. David in Psalms exhorting us to be strong and courageous. Be a man, stand up, do what God calls you to do, and let all that you do be done in love. So there were a couple people that needed the Lord. There were Charles, there were Raphael. You can guess which one was making the cat calls, the older, 50-ish old one. Raphael has a lot of challenges in life. Some of them he's brought on himself. Some of those that uh, the Lord has brought on him, maybe to draw him closer to him. Raphael has challenges with his family, with the mother of his son, with his job, and a number of other things that he's struggling through. And where is his hope? His hope right now is still in a lawsuit. He wants to win a lawsuit so all of his bills are paid. Charles is an industrial engineering student working for an elevator company in New York. For a moment, I was hating them. But God exhorted me through a hamburger, that little helper, my little hamburger helper, to go and share the gospel, to go love these guys, to go, as Dave mentioned, say, how can we pray for you? And after about 15, 20 minutes of conversation, talking about chess, talking about life, talking about family, we're able to pray for them share with them a bit about the gospel and why we're there in New York City and what we're doing. And Michael and I and Charles and Raphael were able to gather together in prayer in the middle of New York City with a man a moment before I had hated. And the challenge for me as I look out is, who do I hate everywhere else? Who am I hating at at work? Who am I hating on the soccer field? And maybe I'm not aggressively hating and angry, but I'm not loving them enough to say, How can I pray for you? Not loving them enough to be bold and strong and courageous. And that's what we saw this week as a team that many folks, all of our team, back here, a different story that's not told. There was another man sitting on a park bench that after eating our meal, some other team got up and said, we need to be bold and courageous. And they shared the gospel with somebody else who was sitting there around us. Don't sit around our team. You'll hear the gospel. Or do sit around our team. You'll hear the gospel. But that's our encouragement to you. That's our challenge to, to us as a team. That's, a lot of, that's one of the things that we learned as a team. One of the things we hope to bring back to you as our congregation is the folks who sent us there. We are called to be men, to be strong and courageous, to share the gospel with those who are around us, to share the gospel with our teammates, with our students, with our teachers, 
with our coaches, with our bosses, with our coworkers, with the folks who work under us? How can we be bold and strong and courageous and share the gospel? So I encourage you, be bold, be strong, be courageous, be a man. Take up the gospel wherever you can take it and see what amazing things God will do. And we saw some amazing things that week in New York City. And we need to continue to pray for that God will work in their lives. And let's do that now. Let's pray for some folks in New York City. And let's pray for our church as well. Father, I thank you for the opportunity you gave us as a church for 23 representatives to go up and share the gospel and meet with other brothers and sisters in Christ to reach out, share with Tahir and Muhammad and Juan Carlos and Malachi, Abdul and Stefan and Henry, his son Eli, for Richard sharing water and coming to Christ, for Frank looking for reconciliation and for Mikhail with his sticky fingers. Father, we pray that your gospel would stick in his life. Father, we pray that the stories that we shared, the people that we met, Father, that uh, you promised when your gospel goes out, it's going to bear fruit. We pray that it does. These folks who heard the gospel this week and hundreds of others, thousands of others that we were able to share the gospel with, with all the teams that were there, Father, your spirit would work mightily, that the local churches would be equipped and energized and uh, have the capacity to go out and serve and to love those and follow up with those that we were able to meet with. And Father, that we would see generations from now Folks would say, it's because you shared the gospel with me on a city street. You interrupted my chess game. You shared a hamburger. You, you just said, how can I pray for you? You offered me a cup of cold water. Father, I pray that we would be, be mindful of your spirit working through us as we stand bold and courageous. Father, I pray also for folks in our congregation who need to be bold and courageous. Father, I pray for Crystal. She's been asking us to pray for her neighbor, Jeff, for years, and now he has passed. Father, I pray for Crystal. You would equip her to share your gospel with her family as she meets with them, that she would be bold and courageous. Father, for Amy White and loving her mom, Reba Long, who's now been diagnosed with breast cancer, that she would be bold and courageous. For Brenda Cavalera, serving her mom, who's really struggling, is down in Florida now, that you would help her to be bold and courageous. For Joey Brown. Father, serving your daughter-in-law, Megan, who suffered from a stroke. Father, for many other folks with injuries or diseases or other sufferings, Father, you would open our eyes to see the need in this world, that we would look out and say, how can I pray for you? That we would look out and be bold to share the gospel, but, Father, to show a concern for folks so that we want to hear their story. We want to know who they are, what God is doing in and for them that you would equip us to do this and strengthen us to do that. Father, I do pray for all the ministries that are coming up this coming year. Many things starting in the next few weeks. Father, we need leaders in some places. And Father, more importantly, we need your spirit to work in us and through us to do amazing things in this neighborhood. And Father, I pray that people would know that they're meeting folks from Cornerstone because they are seeing folks who are bold and courageous in sharing the gospel of Christ. And we pray these things in Christ's name.